What up, planters? What up? I'm Brandon Whitfield. In 2018, I started an adventure that would ultimately change my life forever. I, along with four families and mine, started a brand new church. That's right, from scratch. We had some good times, like the time we welcomed over 300 people at our very first worship service. And we had some bad times, like that time our music equipment wouldn't play right before an important worship set. Yeah. That was embarrassing. I took some notes along the way, though, and I'm ready to share them with you. So if you are a church planter, a potential church planter, or you just want vital information, you've come to the right place. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. You are listening to Planters. What's up, planters? Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, I have a treat for you all. Joining me as our special guest is a good friend of mine. He's no stranger to the stage. Over the past few years, he's become a well-sought-out speaker, emerging entrepreneur, editor-in-chief of Plastic. I think that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> Faith-based and community leader. And yes, as if that wasn't enough, a two-time Amazon best-selling author. His uh, last book, latest book, Lead by Decree, is flying off the shelf. And after today's podcast, I'm sure you'll see why. Folks, I'm talking about the Levi Harrell. What's up, man? What's up? How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, man. Thanks, for first of all, for coming on. Um, this was impromptu. Very much so. But no, it's good. It's all good. Listen, yes. I'm here for all of it. All good, of it. good. I'm glad. I'm glad. So I just want to get in your head a little bit um, and just, you know, just kind of introduce you to, to my audience and uh, and uh, let them um, see your creativity and uh, the man behind the scenes. So yeah. we are here in Connecticut. Um, CT, what's up? What's popping? <laughs> yeah, I'm never in Connecticut. I think the last time I was here was like two or three years ago, and uh, yeah, it was random, but I'm here, and I'm glad, so yeah, that's right. So I live in Connecticut. Levi is in Atlanta. I'm in Atlanta, but I was born in New Britain, Connecticut. New Britain, Connecticut. Raised in the Norwich, New London area, and uh, we left in 2000, so I've been in Atlanta for 20 years. That feels so weird That's crazy. Say. Isn't that crazy? And I'm not even that old, but that's interesting. Doesn't feel like you just graduated high school? Yeah, it does. <laughs> It does. When you come back home, do you ever run into people that you went to school with? Not really, actually. Not really. But see, that's my fault because I'm really, um, I'm very selective. Uh (laughs) So, like, actually, there's some people that don't even know I'm here right now. Wow. And by the time they hear this, I'll be gone. Exactly. I I was going to say, (laughs) we'll air this next week. He'll be out. I'll be gone. So, uh, but my uncle, he worked for ABC in California and he and his family just moved back here. So, I love them, so I might be back uh, 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 more often. But I have family still here and all that, but usually when I come in, it's for a specific reason. Mm-hmm. And so I usually don't announce it, only because there's a lot of people that I do know, and I don't want anyone to feel any type of way. And right now, this trip was more about my blood family. And mm-hmm. so I'm glad that we all were able to get together and be here. And look at that, now I'm carved out some time to be with the pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Man, stop. Stop all that. Stop all that. Well, it's always good to come back home. And uh, I, what I found is that when you come home, you know, it's best sometimes not to tell everybody that you're here because you're stretched far and wide man and what i've realized especially when i go back home down south is like this i know for sure Mm -hmm. when you go home you can travel 15 hours Mm -hmm. to get there (laughs) but people will not travel 12 minutes they want you to still come to them right exactly (laughs) exactly i drove 15 hours to be here so if I could drive this far to get somewhere, y'all can take 10 minutes to go to church. <laughs> so you you grew up in Connecticut. Yeah. Um, what word would you use to describe middle school, Levi? 
Well, I was in Atlanta for middle school. I was here for elementary school, but middle school was... I, if I had to pick a word, I would say unknown. And the reason I say that because I didn't know who I was. Mm. And I was just going through the motions. Mm. And I was in school because I was told to be in school and that's what we have to do. Mm. Um, but as far as knowing who I am, what I want to do, what life was all about, I had absolutely no idea. So for that question, one word would be unknown. Unknown. Mm-hmm. And and now you feel like you've discovered who you are. Oh, absolutely. That's one thing I'm super confident about. And I think... The number one question in the world, I believe, is, you know, what is your purpose or what is my purpose that people ask themselves? And I'm very clear as far as who I am, my purpose, my my assignment. Um, very clear. Very, very clear. Mm. And what age did you come into the understanding? Um, when did I meet Jesus? No, I'm playing. <laughs> uh, I would say 24, maybe 23, 24. Yeah. Um, because in 2014, I was 24. Mm. Um, that's when I launched my company, Levi Haro Enterprises, and all of that. And I did that because I knew, at least, I knew I was a communicator. I knew I was here to inspire people. I knew that God gave me a level of influence. I still didn't know how to maximize and use it all, but I knew that I had something on me because when I talked, people began to listen, and I was like, okay, what well, they gonna listen? Let me say something right. important. Right, right. And so I would say about. 24-ish, I kind of understood um, or had an idea as to who I was. Probably a few years after that, I finally came into the totality of it all. Um, And then now today, I'm just completely sure. That's so good. Yeah, man. That's so good. Yeah, I agree, man. Around about that age, something happens. Mm-hmm. You know, you start really walking into who who you really are mm-hmm. and, um, and being confident. You know, a lot yeah, of people, yeah. they already know, but, you know, now they're confident. They don't need someone to co-sign right, right. On, on who they are. Uh, but we're always evolving, right? Absolutely, yeah. And, I mean, we'll, I don't think we'll ever arrive to a place where we're, like, completely perfect, but definitely there are pivotal life moments where we begin to understand who we are to a greater degree um i think the 24 25 age is pivotal because of course 18 you're officially grown but that doesn't mean you have the mentality of someone who's grown it mm-hmm. just means legally you're an adult but that doesn't mean you're adult minded mm-hmm. and then of course you turn 21 you have more access and of course if you were like me i ain't about to sit here tell no lie no story i was turning up drinking smoking doing all types of trash <laughs> at 21 at 21 <laughs> honestly i was doing it before then but don't uh-oh, tell nobody uh-oh. but I, but I, but i say that to, and to be transparent though because that's part of discovery oftentimes we do things that are quote unquote sin or not right and they are definitely those things but at the same time they are discovery moments and it's necessary to have those discovery moments whatever it looks like for you good better and different because it was that that made me who i was so by the time i hit 24 25 Mm -hmm. i no longer desired the things of 21 18 because i've been there done that and I just had an aha moment, if you will, like Oprah says. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, moved on from there. So a lot of the stuff that, that other people who are in their 20s still deal with all the way up until 30, I don't think I deal with because I kind of dealt with them early on in life. Mm-hmm. Um and just moved on. I, I, I'm a learner. So, yeah, man. So your philosophy is it, the good and the bad, it makes up life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I could probably get in trouble for saying that. I mean, I'm not sitting here saying I condone doing wrong things but what i am saying is embrace your truth Mm -hmm. and be authentic be transparent and be honest with yourself um because oftentimes what happens with people is they try to um, they try to run away from things that they want to try in life 
And in doing so, it's like it sometimes creates a regret and a burden. Now, again, I'm not saying this and giving a license to go act the fool, but I'm saying there's certain <laughs> things within reason. Yeah. You know, prime example, I'll say it this way. My homegirl, Dolly McCoy, what's up? Um, we were having a conversation one day and she said that one of her neighbors had asked her if she had ever been to Vegas. And she was like, she was being deep and churchy, like, no, I've never gone there. That's sin, da, 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 whatever. And then I guess uh, her friend was like, well, you should come with me and come to, um, I guess, one of the clubs or lottery things or whatever. And she was given a deep response like, no, I'm safe, can't do that. But she said the reality is it's not that she didn't want to go. But when she was truthful with herself, it was she was taught not to go. And she didn't know what to do when she got there. Mm -hmm. Long story short, she said, let me just go to inquire. Because the reality is I can't sit here and say I like it or don't like it. I've been taught not to participate. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you like or dislike. It just means you didn't ever participate. So she took that discovery moment and went lost money and some stuff that she told me, whatever. I hope I'm not saying this is wrong because this, this was our conversation, but I don't think she'd mind. Sorry if I'm whatever. Anywho, she went, lost the money, all that, but she, but, but she went and now she has no desire to go back. But having a desire not to go back is is uh different than i've never done it and i was taught don't do it and now i don't know now there are some things in life you should never touch or do but i'm just saying there are also some things where if you have an inclination just go see Mm. because even when it comes from a teaching perspective or a testimonial perspective it's it's one place to preach from or teach from book knowledge it's another space when you actually have experience and you've seen you know what this just doesn't work for me right right because now you can form an opinion exactly and again i'm not saying that as a license to go act the fool i'm just saying there's some things in life you have to experience so that way you can properly speak to it and help somebody through it uh when they're dealing with something yeah yeah i totally agree that i agree with that and i actually can think of quite a few instances in my life where i was taught against doing certain things right and finally when i did it i'm like well you know there was some stuff i'm like well why was i taught not to do this and then there was some stuff i was like i'm glad i can see some stuff is just cultural it's not necessarily the bible said some stuff is just cultural right and, you know, whatever. So, I mean, of course, pray, seek God, ask God, go with your gut feeling, go with your intuition. And as the saints say, go with your Holy Ghost. Yes, go with your discernment. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, did I mispronounce the magazine's name? I think you did it right. Plastique. Plastique. Yeah. Plastique. Plastique magazine. We just turned one years old in October of 2019. We're doing some great things. Um, you can order all copies on magcloud.com. Magcloud.com. Um, our recent issue has celebrity photographer and publisher Nathan Piercy on it, as well as Jacob Lattimore. And the one before that was our first ever faith-based issue, which featured, again, my girl Darlene McCoy. And real talk, Kim. Yes, sir. Um, but outside of them, we've had uh, uh, Kenny Lattimore, super dope, cool. He li- listen. He sings about love and stuff, but J- uh, not Jacob. Kenny really knows God. Like knows I was him. listening to his interview that he was doing with one of our interviewers, and he was quoting scripture like crazy. And he just had a really elevated mentality that was really really cool. So yeah, check out the magazine. Um. Yeah, we got great things coming. And listen, if you want to be a writer, we're not paying nobody right now. It's all intern based. But if you ever want to write for the magazine, I don't care if you're in Connecticut or anywhere in the world. Feel free to hit me up. Um, we're always looking for different people that can contribute to the magazine and you can use it to build your portfolio. So, so yeah. tell us about your career with Plastique, though. What's your role? I am the editor in chief. That means I am basically the boss. 
Boss. Um, like I said, Nathan Piercy is the publisher. Um, so of course he has the final say so in terms of what is actually released. But in terms of vision, strategy, development, some creative things and all of that, direction, hiring, firing, and all that jazz, that's kind of my decision. Um You like it? Yeah, I love it. It's yeah. really, really cool because I get to meet a, a bunch of different people. Mm-hmm. Um, for those that are in the faith-based community, some folks are like, well, how can you be a pastor and do that? Oh, don't but, worry about But that. why not? Oh, yeah, I'm not worried at all. But my thing is the Bible says the Bible says. <laughs> that you're supposed to go into all the world, you uh-huh. know, becoming all things to win some and all that. But again, you'd be very surprised how a lot of these individuals really, really know God and actually have a relationship with God. Yeah. And they look at what they do in entertainment as just their job. Right. You know, well, people um, only what's visible is their celebrity. Exactly. And that's what people see. And they yep. can't see past that to see that these are actually human beings right. past their talent. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I found that some of the most devout Christians are celebrities in fields that may not 100% represent mm-hmm. the church, but mm-hmm. they're devout, man. Yeah. And they're the, some of the most creative people in this world. Definitely, definitely. And it's another platform because even with the magazine, sometimes I write an inspirational nugget. Um, of course, if you know about magazines, you have to have a, a section in the print uh, issue, which is entitled a letter from the editor. So even in that, I'm able to infuse some biblical principles or empowerment principles. Um, I might not always say turn to John 316 and things like that, but I will take a principle and just use it as a, an acronym or something to empower the readers and the re- those that are reading it have no idea that my inspiration for the letter actually came from a faith-based perspective. Mm. All they know is I felt good. It inspired me. It made me happy. It drew them closer. Mm. And then they're like, how'd you learn that? And then I get to kind of go in and say, hey, well, I tried Jesus. You can try him if you want, you know, or whatever. And I get to build great relationships with people. So beyond the work of it all, because it can be a lot, um, I enjoy dealing with a different demographic of individuals, meeting people, learning from people, um, it's really, really fun. It's really, really fun. And I also like it too, because it puts me in a position where I can give other people an opportunity to do great things and, un- and unleash their potential. So like I have writers who've never written for a magazine before, and now they get to say that they have. Um, and now their work is again, published in a magazine with a celebrity person or, you know, whatever. Like, it's just fun to be able to give people an opportunity to grow and develop and be them best selves outside of just the four walls of the church. I love it. I yeah, love man. it. I love it. And what's your definition of sonship? <laughs> uh, I could go in a lot of ways with that. I'll say it this way. Sonship or daughtership. <laughs> is that a word? I don't think it's a word. It is today. <laughs> it is today. Yes. And, um, and, and this, uh, what is it? This is uh, Me Too. And this Me Too movement, right, exactly. there better be a daughtership. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, sonship is not just a concept of submitting to a greater authority, yeah. but I will say it's a submission to a like-minded authority. Yes. Oftentimes, people say they're a spiritual son, to someone that don't that doesn't even have the capacity for them and the reason that term gets manipulated if you will is because you have sons submitting to the wrong fathers yes you might be a father but that doesn't mean you're my father and so that's why i said i could go in a whole spill with that but being a son and the and the and the benefit of sonship only comes when you're the son to the right father or the right mother so some people 
they think they're sons, but they're mentees. Absolutely, exactly, and that's a whole other piece. Just because someone's your mentor or your pastor does not also does not mean they're your spiritual son. Wow. You can have someone who's your spiritual father, but not your mentor. Com- you can have someone who's your biological parent, wow. but they're not your spiritual covering. That's heavy. For man. example, my mother, she knows very well she's my biological mother. And I know she prays for me. She loves me. That's my girl. Like, But we also know Dr. Cindy Trim is my spiritual covering wow. and my spiritual mother. Here's how I know that. I'm not just submitted to her because she's an internationally known blah, 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 whatever. That's I don't even think about that stuff. Mm. But what it is, and here's how you know. When she speaks to me, she pulls something out of me. Mm-hmm. She pulls out of me what I didn't even know was there. Wow. Um, I'll never forget when I was in ministry training with her. It was literally like I felt the hand of God reach in my gut. And I felt a shift. Almost mm-hmm. like when you're lifting weights and you hear like the gauges shift the more you pull. Mm-hmm. It was almost like a type of feeling. I know that's a sound, but it was a feeling. And in that moment, I broke down crying because it was like, wow, I've never had a spiritual leader in my life who did that. And I've submitted to people who I've called spiritual mother or father, and it never have I felt that. And so that's why I say to be a son properly, that person, mother, father on a spiritual level has to pull something out of you. If you're better because of them, then that might be your spiritual parent. Mm-hmm. If, the, if, 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 and not just in a physical thing, because anybody can buy anybody cars and clothes and stuff like that. That's a providing side of a spiritual parent. But what about the spiritual side? Because the reality is, if your spiritual parent never bought you a daggone thing, that's technically not their job. Mm-hmm. Let your biological parent do that. Mm-hmm. Your spiritual parent should be pulling out of you what only they have the eyes to see per the, uh, 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 revealing from God or whatever, if you, if I want to say it that way, mm-hmm. they should be able to pull something out of you to make you better and feel better. In fact, Dr. Trim just did the prayer at the Martin Luther King Day at Elizabeth Church in, um, um, or was it Ebenezer? I said the wrong church. Ebenezer Baptist Church um, in Atlanta, Georgia. And the way she addressed the world and still had authority, still had power, but she also knew her audience. Here I am watching as a spiritual son, and I text her immediately. I was like, oh, my God, like, you just inspired me beyond words. Because we preach about going to the nations. We preach about addressing the world. But I sat here and just watched my spiritual mother do it. And she didn't go off and go, in the Bible, ha, and da, 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 da. No, no, she was talking to a political crowd. That wasn't appropriate. But she never lost her power or her authority. Mm-hmm. She just knew how to use their vernacular. She stayed within the five-minute window that she had. She greeted the people, did what she did, and she moved. And the people were like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that I left watching that inspired, again, reaffirmed for me that, that I am the spiritual son to the right spiritual mother. So to answer the question, you know that you're a proper son or you know you properly have sonship when you are inspired, you are growing, you are developing, and there's no jealousy. Mm-hmm. But, but can, can, can that relationship be manipulated? It can if it's the wrong person. How do you know? I mean, what are signs? Signs are if you're growing, they want to hold you back. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, jealousy. Because again, That's at the end of the day, even a biological parent, no biological parent Exactly. In fact, a real parent, both spiritually and naturally, says, I want my sons and my daughters to be greater than me. They don't just say it, but their actions say it as well. Because I've been under people that said it, but their actions clearly showed otherwise. And so 
it's manipulation when you and that's the part you'll know anybody if you have any ounce of discernment you will know when something's not right Mm -hmm. in fact i've known stuff wasn't right for me and i just chose to stay in stuff until i couldn't take it no more but the reality is if you feel like you're being held back, if you feel like you can't be yourself, right. if you feel like you're stuck and you're stagnant, if you mm-hmm. sense jealousy, mm-hmm. and even if you don't have the articulation for what you feel, but mm-hmm. you feel like something's uneasy, then yeah. nine times out of ten, that's not it. Yeah, suppression on your creativity. Yeah. And you know, Jesus is the model for it all. Yeah. And even he said, greater works greater. will you do. That's, I mean, that's that's just the model right yeah, there. So, so that's good. I, I love that. I love that. So um, I was going to talk to you about, I was going to ask about Cindy Trim and you talked about um, being a spiritual um, son of Cindy Trim. That's good stuff, man. Yeah. Um, you, you got some big shoes to fill. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you this, though. So your book for Ecclesia Global Conference this summer, mm-hmm. you're promoting a book. You're an honoree. Oh, research. Yes. Research, yes. Yes. You're, you're an honoree for eight. ATL 40 under 40. How do you balance it all, man? What tips do you have for time management? Um, Govern your association. I thought you was about to say govern yourselves accordingly. (laughs) Govern yourself accordingly. (laughs) No, I was going to say, I mean that too, but govern your associations. And what I mean by that is I'm a very busy individual, just like we all are. Um, But I really have to monitor my time and those who I spend time with. And the reason I say that is, is because people that are for you and that know you, they understand if you can't talk on the phone every day or if it takes you a while to respond back to a text or if you can't always come to that birthday party. Listen, I'm the type of guy, I might not be able to hang out with you all the time, but I do try my best if it's a birthday, if it's a funeral, hence why I'm in Connecticut now, one of my mama's best friends died. So I was like, let me stop what I'm doing to make sure my mom is good or whatever. You know, I try to be there in those moments, but I need to be surrounded by people that understand who I am. And when they know I have a lot on my plate, they encourage me, they pray for me, they look out for me, but they're not offended if I can't get back to them. You know, there's sometimes where people might reach out to me and say, hey, you good? And I'd be like, hey, thanks so much for checking on me. But then because I might get so caught up, I might not return that all the time. When I remember, I do my best. Mm -hmm. But keeping people around me to know that's not personal. It's I'm on assignment. Mm-hmm. You know, whether I'm at an event mm-hmm. or if I'm preparing for one, I have to take time to shut away, especially to hear from God. I'm not that guy that gets on YouTube and copies people's messages and tries to steal stuff. No, mm-hmm. I like to hear what God is saying to me directly mm-hmm. for others. Mm-hmm. And so to that end, the way I'm able to juggle all that I do is I govern my time, my associations, um, and I keep positive vibes around me, man. Like, And I'm sure you know, especially with, as a pastor and all that, there's a weight to what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a good weight, but nonetheless, it's a weight and it's heavy. Mm-hmm. And so, again, with having the right associations, you have people around that can help carry the weight. And that's why I'm able to do what I do, whether they help me physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially or whatever. It helps me do what I do because I cannot do everything on my own. And so, um, yeah, I love it. Yeah, man. So good. Closing words. Closing words. Um, it's 2020 right now. And so, of course, everybody's saying this is the year of vision, all that. If that's what you believe, whatever God tells you, cool. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm just saying. But what God showed me is that this is definitely a year of establishing. It's definitely a year of partnership and collaboration. It's definitely a year to to put the work in. 
Um, a friend of mine said they want to be at a certain goal by 2030. And I said to her, well, if you want to be at a certain place financially in 2030, what are you doing today? Because every decision you make is a sum total of or or I'm sorry, everywhere you are in life is a sum total of the decisions you make today. Yeah. And so what are you doing today? How can you maximize today? Mm-hmm. How can you utilize today mm-hmm. to make sure your tomorrow looks like what you want, right. that your next year looks like what you want mm-hmm. and what your 2030 looks like? So don't wait until someone does something and then you try to catch up be the trailblazer that you are be the forward thinker that you are be the history maker that you are and maximize today because what you do today will determine tomorrow and the trajectory of your life thereafter so my closing words are maximize today in jesus name (laughs) levi horrell everybody thanks for tuning in i'll catch you next time turn up Wow, that was so good. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I sure did. Be sure to stay up to date with Planters Podcast by subscribing right now. Don't keep all the goodness to yourself. Spread the word with a friend so we can all connect, grow, and go. And remember, if you're interested in one-on-one church plant consulting and coaching, it's available. All you have to do is visit our website at theriverdanbury.org. Click on planters and submit your request. It's just that easy. Until next time, may your seed find its ground.